Uh, now, this idea about our focus being on Jesus's work, it actually leads us to our current series, which is the Beatitudes. Because what the Beatitudes mainly emphasize is character. They mainly emphasize character. In other words, the question God often asks us is not, how are you doing with whatever performance you're trying to do? Or what are you doing? I think the question God often is concerned with is, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? We live in a world where we, we say the opposite. We say uh, that if, if I do this, if this happened to me, then I would be in a better place. Then I would do better. So for instance, all of you currently are striving to get a degree, to work hard, uh, so that you can one day get a job. And if I had to guess, the primary question that is constantly in front of you is, how am I doing? What am I doing? How am I working? Where am I going? What am I accomplishing? Because that's the, that's the question in college. And this is the primary question that you are constantly dealing with. It's no wonder that so many of you are stressed out or anxious or are numbing yourself with all sorts of stuff or depressed about how you're doing, how you're performing. Well, here's why the Beatitudes are important for us as Christians. What they do is they reorder the questions that Jesus enters the world here and his, the very first words in the very first sermon he gives are not statements about what you need to do. They're actually about who you are becoming. Their character. Their character uh, characteristics about, about a Christian. Who are you as a Christian? Which flips our way of life on its head because Jesus knows that it's out of our character that we do things that we work and that we aren't just the sum of what we do. It's really that what we do is a result of who we've become. It's why he says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That our internal dispositions, they actually move us towards something. It means that if you fail a test or you fail a class, God is less concerned with that failure and more is about asking you, how are you being shaped in that failure? How are you being shaped when you fail? Are you beating yourself up? Are you shaming yourself about how you should be better? You should do more? Or are you actually taking a moment to recognize that this is a way that God is showing you your need of him? That you're becoming more and more of a person who clings to him. That you can even fail and God is still at work. Praise God. That's really good news. That really is good news. And so the question of who are you becoming, not what you are doing, is primary focus on these Beatitudes. And it's as if Jesus is giving us a picture of what God is shaping us into. This is what you're going to look like as a believer, as you walk in his kingdom, as you faithfully serve him, as you faithfully move towards him. You're becoming like these Beatitudes. Now, all of these pictures on the outside, they aren't the most glamorous. 
they aren't really everything we, we feel when we think of a blessed life. These aren't necessarily the character qualities that we think of when we think of those who are flourishing even in our world. The poor in spirit are those who come to God and recognize that they actually have nothing. That's, that's those who are blessed. Yet Jesus says those people are the ones the kingdom's for. That those who mourn over their broken patterns, their sinful behaviors, how the world has become marred and hurt by people, how God's name is often ignored or spat upon or hated, Jesus says that's the life where you're going to find comfort. It's kind of startling. It's kind of shocking. It's so different than what we think of when we think of character qualities to display. So if you've noticed these beatitudes, they sort of build on each other. That if you're poor in spirit, you'll begin to mourn over the ways you are truly in need of God's grace. So this brings us to the next beatitude that says, blessed are those who are meek. That what is happening is that we are starting to move from our internal disposition, being poor in spirit, mourning, into a place of how that affects the way we interact, affects the way we're with others. And what is the way that Jesus says you interact with people? Meekness. Meekness. What does it mean to be a meek person? So let's read Matthew 5, 5, and then we'll try and discover what this means. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. God, thanks for this time. I ask that you would just be with me, uh, be with us, that you would shape us even now, that you would move towards us and, and turn our hearts to you. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name, amen. So a couple years ago, there was this Old Spice commercial. Y'all remember the Old Spice commercials? I think they're still on. And Terry Crews, y'all know who Terry Crews is? Just probably the most jacked individual I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So he was in these commercials and it starts off with this lady selling bounce laundry detergent. And so she's sitting there and she's in the middle of talking about just how nice the bounce laundry detergent is. And then all of a sudden Terry Crews explodes into the room in a, uh, through the wall on a jet ski. And all he says is, Old, Bi- Old Spice body spray makes you smell like power. <laughs> it's so powerful it even sells itself in other people's commercials. Woo! <laughs> you can go and, and let that, that's literally exactly what happens. So. Now I think of this commercial and when it comes to someone who's strong and powerful, this is, I think, the image that sometimes we think of. Someone who's able to be heard, who's going to cr- literally crash through a wall at another commercial. Someone who is able to be seen and listened to. Someone who can defend themselves or get ahead, that these are the people that are really able to succeed because they demand respect. And I think we get this idea that in order to get ahead, in order to make ourselves known, to find our place here, that we need to make sure we're noticed for our skills, 
We need to make sure we're noticed for our strength, our personality, our talents. You know, we believe it's a a dog-eat-dog world, and therefore, in order to inherit anything in this culture, we have to pave our way. We need to have strength to get by. We can't show weakness. And this is actually the same idea that was going on in Jesus's day. That these Jewish people, they were under the authority of the Roman government. The Roman oppressors is what they would call them. Caesar. And so part of what they were waiting for was the Messiah. And we think of the Messiah as the the person who comes and dies for our sins. Right? That's kind of the picture we often get. But when they thought of Messiah, they thought of a ruler. One that was going to set them straight. One that was going to take back this Roman occupation and bring it back to Israel. That was going to lead them. That was going to reign for them. A king. That these people had this idea about what it truly meant uh, to gain power. So they were awaiting this sort of strong person who could match up to Caesar. And who they get is Jesus. That's the Messiah. He enters the scene, and he's not anything like their expectations. He's meek. Actually, the only other time, one of the only other times, this same word meek, it's only used three times in the New Testament. And the other time it's used is in Matthew 11. When Jesus says, I am meek and lowly of heart. It's the word we translate as gentle. That he's meek. And he both shows and says that his kingdom, his reign as king, would not be through taking over and dominating. But actually by serving. By giving up himself. By dying. This is the way of the kingdom. This is the type of king that we have. Do y'all want that? kind of king? This is not to say that Jesus is weak. Meekness is not weakness. This is not to say that being meek means you can't be loud or you can't be bold or you can't be extroverted or you can't be talkative or that you aren't able to be the life of the party. That really meek people are just the ones that are the wallflowers. That's not what it means, that, that you can be very meek and be the one who loves being with people and going to parties. At the same time, you might not be meek as one who is super shy or doesn't like to talk or doesn't like being the center of attention. In other words, meekness is not a personality trait. It's not something that Jesus only blesses this disposition of somebody uh, that's born this way. No, what he's saying here is that there is a disposition that all of us have to emulate. That all of us need to strive towards. And so briefly, what are some of the traits of meekness? And the first one is a meek person is one who really submits to others. Now, just right off the bat, some of you may actually get queasy in your stomach when you hear the word submission. Yeah. You may think about how often powerful people force others to submit to them, bend the knee. It's a sign of weakness that those who lead, those aren't the ones who submit. 
That submission is for those who are weaker. Guys, that's not the Christian idea of submission. We can talk more about that, but that's not the Christian idea of submission. Listen to this definition of meekness. Meekness is power and submission. Power and submission. That those who are meek are not doormats that people just walk all over. It's those who choose to give up certain rights that they have. It's those who have the power to really get their way, but they refuse to for the sake of the other person, for the sake of love. It's doing what Jesus does in Philippians 2 when it says that though he considered equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he is the only person in history that could say, I have every right to everything in the entire existence of the universe because I'm God. Yet it goes on to say he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the true picture of meekness, that Jesus, the most powerful, the most strong man to ever exist, submitted to this world for you, for you and I. He gave up his rights. He gave up his privileges for you. The part of what it means to be truly meek is to be a person who considers others more than we consider ourselves. C.S. Lewis says that um, meeting someone actually who, who looks like this, you wouldn't leave saying, man, that's a really meek person. You would leave there saying, man, that person really was interested in me. I felt really good around that person. They really... They really wanted to know me. They really seemed to be interested in who I was and what I was doing. They put the, others, the other person before them, before their own needs, before their own rights. They willingly submit to others. I used this illustration in church a couple weeks ago, so forgive me if you've heard this from me very recently, but one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite books, movies, uh, musicals is Les Miserables. It's so good. And so it tells the story of Jean Valjean. He's served 19 years of hard labor, and he's recently been released on parole for stealing a loaf of bread. Uh, that's why he was in jail for 19 years. Uh, and he's on parole, and the only person who's going to take him in is this bishop of the church. And he says, the bishop says to him, you need not tell me who you are. This is not my house. It's the house of Christ. It does not ask any comer, whether he has a name, but whether he has an affliction. You're suffering, you are hungry and thirsty, be welcome. What need have I to know your name? Besides, before you told me, I knew it. Your name is brother. The bishop chooses to give up his time, his resources, in spite of who he knew this man to be. This submitting for the sake of this other person. Giving up things. But further, how does Valjean respond? This is, this is really what's so incredible. That that night, he ends up running away and stealing all of this guy's silver. He doesn't respond with just gratitude or thanksgiving. He, he ends up continuing on uh, in, in, in living sort of a broken, depressing, sinful life. But he gets caught. He gets caught by the police and they bring him before this bishop. And this bishop, with every bit of right, 
to be angry, to demand justice, to tell this guy to go back to jail. Uh, he just looks at him and he says, I am so glad you returned because there's more silver for you here. And he gives him more silver and it changes that guy's life. That he chooses to provide in spite of this, these repeated offenses that Valjean has done. And this is, a, this is a picture of Christ willingly submitting before us what we need. That he lovingly gives up what is owed to him for the sake of you and I. That truly meek people submit for the sake of others. And that's true strength. That really is true strength. This takes more work. To quote C.S. Lewis again, we never find out the strength of our evil impulses really until we try to fight it. That that's when you really are testing the strength of it. Now, when I think about this today with all the various issues that we see, the divisiveness that we see, especially in the church, um, you know, I wonder if maybe we have more of a meekness issue rather than um, all of the political issues that we see. Those are important. Even the theological issues sometimes we see. I wonder if the church actually has more of a meekness issue. What would it be like to actually move towards the person that you know is wrong and care for them? And to put them before yourself. And actually remove maybe even some of your rights, some of your privileges. Some of those moments where you just want to tell them how it is. And actually just love them. What does it look like on this campus? To actually move towards people in meekness. To really see people regardless of how you're treated. This is what it means to live in God's kingdom. This is part of what it means to be a meek person. But here's the reason uh, why we can actually do that. We can actually submit. Uh, it's because we're patient. And we're patient for something. That part of what Jesus is doing here is he's unpacking a little bit of Psalm 37. Here's what Psalm 37 says. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at this place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That a meek person is one who fully trusts in the Lord's promises. So they don't have to fight. They fully expect that God will give them an inheritance. That they will be the ones to prosper. Not the ones, they're not ones who have to fight for what's owed to them because they know God is going to give it to them. They can rest. They're patient. They patiently wait for the Lord. That what Jesus is saying here is that blessed are those who are meek because they understand fully that God is going to provide for them everything they need. They don't have to grasp for what's theirs. They don't need it because they know God is going to give it to them. God's going to provide. I mean, in a way, that's so freeing. You don't have to have all this anxiety 
of like walking through life grasping for things, fighting for what's yours because you know God is with you. You can be patient. I can remember there was this guy in my class in high school and his dad owned this huge construction company. And for lack of a better word, this guy was pretty much a screw up. He really was. Uh, he, he did not care about anything. He drank all the time. He partied all the time. He didn't care about his classes. He like failed everything and like his dad would just bail him out. Um, you know, he's probably worth millions of dollars. And one of the reasons for this was because he knew that he actually was going to own the company one day. <laughs> That's why. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but this guy actually is owning this company right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I haven't kept up much with it. Now, I'm not condoning this, okay? I'm not condoning that you can just be lazy. God does not care about your work. Whatever, whatever. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. Here's what I'm saying. The guy's behavior was affected because he knew his inheritance. He knew who his father was. Do you? Do you know your inheritance? Because when you do, you can truly practice meekness. You can actually be meek. It means you don't have to fight back when others wrong you. You can still love them. It means you don't have to attack and retaliate. It means you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to be the one in the center, the one in charge. The one who uh, has to have everything together, has to have the final say, has to have the final word, has to have the right answer, has to make sure that that person knows that they're wrong. You act... You can just sit back because you're confident. You're strong. You know who your father is. So as I closed, I'm, I mentioned Philippian, Philippians 2 and how Jesus emptied himself. The most meek person ever to live submitted to God for your sake. He patiently endured the hands of sinful men, of those who wronged him, without one ounce of just vengeful spite. Why? Because it says, for the joy set before him. What was that joy that, that was Jesus' motive for putting his power in submission, for becoming meek? What was that joy? It was you. It was you. Like right now, before the foundation of the world, like we don't really think about this, but Jesus, your picture was in his head, in his mind, in God's place. Like you, you, like every single one of you individually sitting here. God created you. You were the joy set before him. That's why he endured the cross. Understand that this is actually our path to being meek. You will never be meek fully until you recognize what's the joy set before you. 
It's Jesus. It's basking in who he is. It's knowing that he loves you and he's going to take care of you and he's going to be with you. And he wants you. That's how you become meek. You don't have to grasp for things. You're able to step back because you know how crazy he is about you. So because of this, because of the joy set before him, we're able to experience his joy. We're able to experience his presence. That's why we're meek. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for this time. Thank you for being a God that puts us uh, in your sight, that refuses to let us go, that continues to hold us, that continues to do what's best for us because you love us. Thank you for that, God. I hope that everyone here is able to truly experience that and move closer towards you in that. It's in Jesus' name, amen.